all right, hey, that was kind of nice. Everybody got a little bit amped just for the offering. Who would have imagined? Ho! So, uh, you know, I, I didn't actually think about the fact it was going to be Father's Day when this message first started bubbling up. And uh, I can't really think of anything that's probably more critical, more important, more central to a genuine life of faith, of growth, and of influence than experiencing that profound 18-inch journey from what you know in your head to what you actually believe in your heart. And I don't know why for so many of us it takes, it seems, a lifetime. But when I was first saved, I had no problem. If you're going to define God in one word, and there's a lot of them out there, but basically what it says here is God is what? God is love. He is the very center of what genuine, unselfish, benevolent kindness actually is. Right? So we know that from early on. What did you sing when you were a young believer? Jesus loves me, this I... I, I, th I want to say, Jesus loves me, this I believe. Because if you really believe that, it changes everything, doesn't it? So what are, what's going on? Why the, the walls, the barriers? Why the ungodly beliefs that we have to somehow do something, arrive, accomplish something, stop something, start something? All of that is so performance-oriented, isn't it? And so I've been reflecting on this for a while, and uh, to be honest, I've even been asking the Lord, it's like, Lord, what kind of a community do you want us to be? What are the central values that can bring healing and transformation and activation into all of us who gather together regularly? And you know, the, the sense that I've been getting of what primarily that really is, more than anything else, it takes a divine encounter. We don't we can give advice and we can support each other. We can encourage each other, each other. We can prophesy over each other. And yes, that's empowered by the Holy Spirit. We can preach, proclaim the Word of God as God gives us revelation from the Word. But any revelation from the Word that doesn't lead to an encounter only qualifies you to debate with somebody else. Only tends to give you more knowledge and potentially feed your ego but it doesn't necessarily lead to a greater life of transformation, does it? And I love revelation in the Word, and I'm not trying to make a comparison. God speaks to me from His Word, but what He does is He speaks to me as He reveals who He is to me. And then all of a sudden, I begin to have an encounter with Him for who He is, and not just what He says. So, um, I would love to be a community where we are learning actively how to hear God's voice personally. Amen? And, uh, and continually growing in that. Can you imagine a community of people that have responded to what James chapter 1 says, be what? Quick to hear, slow to speak. That's a hard one for me, if you guys know me at all. But it also says slow to anger. Because the anger of man does not lead to the righteousness of God. 
So being in that place where you have peace in your heart and you're listening attentively and then you're generously sharing with others what you're hearing from God, that is the point of transformation. That is the very point of empowerment. That's why we say it's God's presence, His voice, that is actually transforming us. And so I, uh, I considered three different areas of a divine encounter, and we're just going to look at them real quick. But then we're also going to have a practical prophetic act to activate ourselves into positioning ourselves to be able to hear God's voice more personally. So, you know, I thought about uh, Elijah, I thought about Saul, and I thought about Jesus, you know, at his baptism. And all of them were transformed by an encounter they had with God. Uh, before I get too far into this, by the way, it was also, okay, Charlie, practice what you preach. You say you want to be listening to God, responding to what you hear God saying, and sharing that with other people. You've got to step out and take a risk. You know how faith is spelled, right? R-I-S-K. You know, if you don't act on what you're hearing, God can't move the way He wants to move. So I said, Lord, you have something for someone here today. And Cheryl, ta-da! You were highlighted to me. And I saw you walking down a beach alone, and you were very peaceful. You were drinking in that atmosphere. It was almost like your secret place. It was like that place of communion with you and God. And uh, so I saw you walking there, and then I saw you pick up a huge shell. We don't have them on the Oregon coast, but I believe it's actually a conch. Is that the kind that has a little spiky things and kind of pinks and oranges inside and looked like a pearl kind of? And so you, you bent down, and it was the cutest thing. I saw you put it up to your ear, and you had this childlike awe and wonder, like you could hear eternity in the shell as you were listening to it. And it just like so connected you, it so grounded you, but then I've never seen this before. Then you took that Hummer, and you went, and you blew that thing, just like a shofar. <coughs> Man, I blew my vocal cord. One minute. I kind of want to do that again. <clears throat> Talk amongst yourselves. Ho! <clears throat> oh! No, but Cheryl, that was so powerful. When you blew that conch, it was like a shofar. It was bringing the very presence of God. It was a breakthrough anointing, the same anointing that brought the walls of Jericho down, that brought people into their promised land and the beauty of what i saw was there's this deep place of communion with you whether it's in the forest in the ocean in a prayer closet as you connect with him as you listen attentively and you listen to the what god is speaking from eternity into your heart then there was a declaration that went out from you ho and it brought breakthrough it pulled down bondages and barriers and limitations on people it set people free and it was all connected with your heart and your connection with Him. That's a good word, people. Can we thank God for that? So, Cheryl, we love you. We bless you. We receive God's gift and anointing on your life. And you go. Man, blow that horn. Woo. Oh, let's all go home. I feel great. Oh, Do you see how easy it can be? You just say, God, what do you want to show me? Lord, what do you want to hear me? What, what do you want to hear me? <laughs> Actually, that's funny. In, in my journaling time today, the Lord rebuked me again. So, isn't that fun? Because um, I often ask him, like, okay, Lord, I don't want to come with an agenda. What do you want to talk about? I try to put him in the driver's seat, which my heart is good when I'm trying to do that. And finally, he kind of smacked me around. He goes, you know, I do want to talk about the things you want to talk about. It's like, 
You do? Okay. And so he's like, you need to pour your heart out to me more. It's like, geez, I came here to get encouraged and you're rebuking me. Which, by the way, that is an aspect of just how good a father we have. That is the 18-inch journey, knowing that, I've heard this once before, it really, it, it speaks a lot to our trust, our confidence in the goodness of God. Do you know that even the bad things that come from God, the things that we think of as bad things, like chastening and discipline and consequences. It, no discipline feels good in the moment, right? Did anybody ever have your child go, thank you for that spanking, I so appreciate it. I know it's in my best interest and you're just making me a better person. Thank you, mom, thank you, dad. No, I mean, let's not be ridiculous. Chastening doesn't feel good at the time, but the things that seem bad that come from God, they're actually good. They're bringing maturity. Gifts are free, but maturity is expensive. And God is committed to us continuing to grow to be like Him. To be the same epicenter of love and blessing on the earth that He and Jesus was while He was here. I mean, what kind of a lifelong process is that? And by the way, the devil, the one who wants, and he's real, and he's got one agenda, to steal, kill, and destroy every one of us. Remove every good thing. Have you ever noticed the things that seem good that come from the devil are actually bad? The things that reduce your pain, the things that numb you, the, the addictions that they can lead to, the things that seem good actually appeal to the wrong place. But all of it really speaks to heart. The devil has one agenda to destroy. God has one agenda to build up. One is for us. The other is against us. And the clearer we get on that, the more we can move forward in every area of our life. So, ho, oh, that's all just introduction. So this is going to be an hour and a half long message and uh, we'll just have to let the second service come in and join us as we go. Um, so I'm going to do just a quick walk through. It's First uh, Kings 19 is the story of Elijah and his great victory against the prophet of Baals. And then, you know, uh, Jezebel threatens him. Okay, you are going to be like the prophets you just killed tomorrow. And what was Elijah's reaction as the mighty man of God? He ran for his life. Fear overcame him. Pew, I'm out of here. And then, and, and it is kind of an interesting part of the story. So he's trying to scoot out of there. And an angel shows up and says, arise and eat. Gives him some food. And, and then, okay, now he's just had a divine encounter with an angel. And what does he do? He lies back down. Goes to sleep again. And then the angel's sort of like, hey, arise, eat. So then he eats. And I don't know what this dude was eating, but it was not a Twinkie. Because it said after he got up, it gave him the strength to go for 40 days and 40 nights. Anybody remember to go where? To Mount Horeb. The mountain of God. The place of divine encounter. The place where Moses saw the burning bush. Took his slippers off. You know, you're on holy ground. God speaks to him. It was his divine encounter. And Mount Horeb is a place of refining, it's a place of wilderness, it's a place of even isolation to some degree. And so he gets to Mount Horeb in the strength of what God had given him. And, uh, and then I find it very interesting, let me, let me read this one part. So the very first thing, uh, he was in a cave and he lodged in it, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, get this, what are you doing here, Elijah? He called him by name, 
But you know when God asks a question, he's not actually looking for information, right? He already knew what was going on. But he was trying to get Elijah to begin to look at, what are you doing here? You know, it reminded me of our trip to Bethel several years ago and just at the beginning of a conference and we go into the prayer room just to quiet ourselves before the conference and enjoy you know, God's presence. And I'll never forget, the Lord asked me one of those kind of questions and he goes, uh, he didn't use my name, but he said, why is it most of the time that you spend with me is transactional and not relational? Now, was he trying to find information? No. He made me have to look inside and go, oh my gosh, I only come to you when I need a message, when I need a word. When there's a need, I want to pray for Frank because boy, does that guy need prayer. You know, I mean, I'm just, just playing with you. So, you know, but I come to him to get something. There's a transaction. There's a this for a that. And he was calling me to something so much deeper as, and I knew it, as a friend. I want to have you pour your heart out to me and I want to be able to pour my heart out to you which, again, is that place of transformation. And so God asked that question in the beginning, and then Elijah kind of tells this whole story. And then, uh, verse 11 says, And he said, God, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But anybody, I mean, the Holy Spirit comes as wind, right? But this wasn't the Holy Spirit, because it says the Lord was not in the wind. So a great wind comes, an earthquake comes, finally a fire comes, and after the fire, so he's, by, by the way, here we are, are anybody in fiery circumstances sometimes? Anybody's world getting shaken? Hmm? Oh, you know, Lori said it last week, the Lord isn't in the earthquake. But he's the answer to the earthquake. And by the way, the earthquake can distract you. The wind that's blowing all around and messing everything up and tornadoes and whatever it is, you know, if you focus on that, then that becomes the thing that has power over your life. And it also is the thing that distracts you from being able to listen. And so there's all this big noise going on around Elijah while he's already running from Jezebel. And then... It says, and after the wind, the sound of a low whisper. Uh, another uh, translation says, a still, small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him. And what do you think he said again? What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, after the wind and the earthquake and the fire, I think God has his attention, right? But have you ever thought, what happens if your soul is still so noisy that you're not listening? You know, apparently, Elijah didn't get it the first time. So then God said, what are you doing here? And it is, it is pretty tragic. I mean, God was still with Elijah and using Elijah, but it was at that moment that he appointed uh, a man a king. He appointed another man you know, and as a warrior, and he was called to also, now go pick your successor, go anoint Elisha, and start raising him up. This was a time of major transition for Elijah through that encounter. Oh, and so for me, when I've gone through major transitions, um, there are times where the only thing I've had to really hold on to 
was the still, small voice. I have now literally seen hundreds of people who've had an encounter with God in a time of crisis, and sometimes not in a time of crisis, where they believed what they heard, and they acted upon it, and breakthrough came into their life in a way that is no other way can happen, I believe. And uh, I'll share this here. It was very interesting to me. Um, you know, I, I, my men's group meets at 10 on Thursdays, and man, we did this crazy hybrid thing now where we have a Zoom a laptop set up, and so there's the Brady Bunch heads of people that aren't in the room, but they're with us, and they're on a speaker, and then we have live guys. And I did notice a very interesting thing. Most of us are drawn to talk to the computer more than to each other. So if Robert is there and I'm interacting with Robert, he'll ask me a question, I'll answer it to the Zoom guys. I don't know why. It's like you're more conscious of the camera or something. But, but either way, we've got people live, we've got people there. And, uh, and so I was thinking about how important the still small voice is for all of us and honoring it. And uh, so I asked, okay, would you guys let me know of a moment in your life where you had an encounter with God, you heard his voice, and it was the most transformative experience you've had so far. And, you know, I was absolutely shocked, and I'm probably jumping ahead a bit in the message, and I just realized I've got to boil this way, way, way down. But I was moved because uh, Robert was the first one to share. And, and he, I, I, let me just see if I can quote it right. Basically, you were saying, God, you know, uh, can you just love me more? And the Lord basically said, I can't. I can't love you more than I do right now. There is no, we're not waiting to come into more of God's love. We're coming into a place where we need to receive what he already has for us. But you know what was stunning? These are guys in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and every guy told a similar story. They had a divine encounter with God, and God basically said three words that contain the entire message of the 66 books of the Bible. The whole thing God is trying to say from this to you in a way you can receive is, I love you. That's it. No, you don't. I don't even love myself. You've got bad taste, God. Why would you pick me? I'm a knothead. I'm a clod. I'm rebellious. I know my faults. You know, my, my sins ever before me. I don't even like myself. God, I don't get it. I mean, why do we argue so much? But every guy said at one point, the Lord had showed up in the middle of their circumstances and said either, I love you, son, or I love you, Jesse. Called them by name, and for some reason, something shifted. And by the way, I've had that same experience where everything changes when God calls you by name and tells you that he loves you. And, uh, you know, you can't force God to speak to you. Can you? Can you put 25 cents in the uh, you know, vending machine and then you get a little message back from God because you paid? I mean, it doesn't work that way. But you can position yourself to be able to hear from the Lord. I did go to Bethel. I did walk in the prayer room. I didn't make God speak to me. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. But my heart is prepared for it to happen, right? Now, there are divine encounters 
that catch you totally off guard. Remember I mentioned Saul? There he is with papers, permission to persecute Christians on his way to Damascus, and all of a sudden this great light shines all around him, knocks him off of his vehicle, and, uh, and then he hears a voice from heaven, ho, oh. and, uh, and basically, after falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I love this part. He said, who are you, Lord? He already called him Lord. It's like he, okay, well, obviously this is a divine moment. Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But arise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Isn't this interesting? Did God give him the heavy rebbe that he used for the rest of his life to write most of the New Testament? Right? Did God give him really clear instructions? He basically, okay, arise, go over there, and then I'm going to give you the next step. How many like that? If God gave you the revelation in that encounter of everything he was going to do in your life, I don't know about you, but I don't think I'd go. I don't want to know. I want to know enough for my next step. Um, that makes me dependent on him, by the way, too. Because Paul was going to have to depend on the voice of the Lord, on the leading of the Lord, on daily being strengthened in the Lord. But what's really interesting, that encounter did not inflame or puff up Saul's ego. See, the more knowledge you get, the more revelation you get, the more you can begin to feel like I'm figuring it out, I've got my act together, I'm becoming an expert. And the minute you become an expert, you become disqualified for the next revelation that you need. So Paul wasn't going around, wait till you see how I'm going to touch the earth. Man, now God has called me. No, there's, there's humility that actually comes with a genuine divine encounter because you're touched by his heart toward you and it makes your heart dissolve. Just surrender as a prisoner of love to him. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that beautiful? Say yes. yes. Okay, yes, okay. Yeah. Woohoo! Did you have something, Jesse? Or are you just saying Jesus is the way pointing your finger? What? Yeah. Yeah, what, what Jesse is saying is if we were knocked off of a horse and there was a bright light and we couldn't yeah. see, it probably would get our attention, you know? Yeah. And I, but, you know, there are people, um, it amazes me still, when they do hear God's voice, if you haven't trained yourself to know, is that my voice, the devil's voice, or God's voice, and you don't respond, if you don't receive and believe in your heart to the point where it changes your behavior, your direction, the action, what if Paul didn't respond? I don't want to go that way. I want to go this way. Man, God entrusts partnership, genuine relationship. Why? What? Come and let us reason together? What does he need my reasoning for? Because he's not calling you or me as a robot. He's calling us as beloved sons and daughters who are trusting him in the earthquake and in the fires and listening to him and responding to him daily. So the final encounter, and it is the prototype encounter for the beginning of all of our walk with God, is Jesus at his baptism. Matthew 3.16. And that 
incredible phrase that we use here an awful lot. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. By the way, it was kind of interesting. Uh, I forgot to mention Saul when he got knocked off his horse. Other people heard the voice. Isn't that something? Uh, they didn't know who it was. They couldn't see everything that Saul could see. But then Jesus is being acknowledged before all as his son. And this is at, before he starts his earthly ministry. This is before he's done anything good or bad. You know, hasn't done miracles that we know of. I mean, he may have, but it's not recorded. And so before he's done anything, that the purposes of God would stand in Jesus' life, no, you're already beloved, already accepted. And I acknowledge you, even to the world. And, uh, and then for those of you, oh, it's so wonderful, it's a bed of roses, finally I'm going to be loved, I'm going to float around in peace and joy. What was the very next chapter? The Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tested, tempted by the devil. Because God never uses evil to tempt us. You know, that's, we're drawn away by our own desires when we listen to that voice and we begin to submit and respond to that. You know, we do that to ourselves. It's not his leading for us. So I embrace conviction the discipline of the Lord, but I'm tired of shooting myself in the foot and responding to the wrong voice and doing something stupid that's only going to be you know, harmful to myself and to others. So, But here's Jesus who gets led into that. And, and I, I know I've said this over the years, but what God was really declaring over Jesus is what he declares over you and me. Your identity. A beloved son a beloved daughter that can never be taken away from you, that he's going to acknowledge before others, he's going to set a table before your enemies to demonstrate his extravagance on you, and others are going to watch and go, oh, they don't deserve that. That's the point. We don't deserve it, but we're transformed by it. And again, I won't build this whole thing right now, time won't allow, but what was the temptation ultimately in the desert? If you're the Son of God. Do you really believe what God said about you? Or can I get you to try to prove it? Go, you're hungry. Go ahead. You got the power. Turn these stones into some bread. Take care of your own sustenance. Your own. No, you don't have to trust your father for that. You've got power. Right? So it was the original identity theft. He wanted his uh, you know, social security number, basically, and just to rip him off. Because, by the way, all authority in heaven and earth was given to Jesus. It doesn't leave a whole lot left for the enemy, right? Unless, like Adam and Eve again, the enemy could get him to surrender his authority to the devil. And, of course, he didn't do it. So, here's where I want to go with this. Um, so some of you know this story, some of you don't, but I was thinking like at the men's group, and I mean, it was a very tender moment watching these guys. When the Lord speaks, I love you, Melody. I love you, Cheryl. I love you, Robin. I love you, Kirby. When you hear your name in his voice, years later, you still remember something that happened there, a, a place that it went. 
Um, and there were there have been numerous times. It's not just a one-off that you get it. It's, it's God is revealing himself to us, and he will, for all eternity, be revealing new things about him in his glory, in his character, in his majesty. We're never going to run out of being in awe of who God is. But the fundamental work that needs to happen is that we actually receive that message that, that I love you. And so, as many of you know, I mean, I've went through a number of of different experiences and different encounters, and I'd like to play them all out for you, but there's only one I want to share right now. And it was my final one after a series of encounters. Laura and I went to Toronto, and there is, again, the primary ministry that was going on in the Toronto Blessing was God revealing the Father heart to sons and daughters. That's what transformed Bill Johnson and R.T. Kendall and C. Peter Wagner and just one Cheon, one person after another after another were successful in ministry, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just like, wax them with a revelation of the father heart of god heidi baker was getting ready to quit because she was running three churches and it was going to destroy her and then she has this encounter with god that there's always more than enough when you have him and how much uh, he loved her and by the way she was incapacitated i don't remember for how long a week or two what's that seven days it couldn't move under that revelation um, the Great Awakening, Jonathan Edwards, his wife, Sarah Edwards, she got whacked. I mean, a, it was a, a preview, I guess, of the Toronto Blessing. I'm not sure. But she got whacked, and she was incapacitated, I think, for a month, where people are carrying her around. And when she was finally able to speak, and she didn't talk about it very long. She only spoke you know, a few days about it, and then like, no, that's personal. That's between God and I. She stopped talking about it. But what incapacitated her physically, emotionally, spiritually captured her whole heart was the simple revelation when God told, that when she became aware of his nearness to her. God is near right now, online, in this room. God is pressing into you even right now to bypass the areas that would resist the message of his love for you, his plans for you, his provision, his purpose, his protection, his father heart, opening the blessings of heaven over you to walk into a new promised land ho, of being true sons and daughters and no one being able to take it away from you. She got a revelation of his nearness to her and then her dearness to him. Do you understand the ache of your father's heart when you aren't with him when you're distracted and dealing with things in your own strength and you're overwhelmed and you're insecure and you're feeling unworthy and all it does is break a father's heart because of your incredible dearness to him how come on i want a sarah edwards revelation of that for all of us i mean knock me out whatever whatever it's going to take god so we, we go to toronto this land of this carnival of the revelation of the Father, heart of God. Oh! And uh, I had met a guy there named Robert Leveda. And uh, I still see him on Facebook. He's still active in ministry. And Robert, at the time, was the senior pastor of a church in Las Vegas called Extreme Church. How'd you like to go to an extreme church? And once I met Robert, I understood why they called the church that, because he was an extreme guy. So, ho! Oh! Some of you know, I, if I sense God's presence... Uh, I can fight it. I probably could, 
But why would I? I tend to, to manifest. There are people who manifest, which is great. There are people who don't, which is great. And there are people that, oh, like John Arnott, he rarely even gets slain in the spirit. And he was the father of the Toronto blessing. So don't compare. One isn't better than the other. But like Cheryl and I, we, we just have a party. It's like, woo-hoo-hoo. You know, I, I, oh, you know, I just sense God's presence and it affects my body. I don't know why. Whoa. But I'm going to tell you this story. Oh, man, I'm going to have to wrap this up pretty quick. But I'm going to do it anyway. I don't care. I'm having too much fun. So, this being Father's Day. How I have always believed. Who? I've always believed. Who? 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 I have always believed that my children, when they pray for me, when they bless me, they so touch the heart of God that he honors those prayers. And, and I know when I pray for my kids when they were little, I could just sense the pleasure of the Father being with us in those sweet times. And so one day at our old church, oh, after I got wiped out in Toronto, and I may finish this Robert Leveda story, and I may not, um, I was doing announcements, I think, at the church. I don't I don't remember if I was preaching that day or not, but I'm just like this, you know, in front of the pulpit, and blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, I just feel this wave hit me. And I'm like, oh! And I'm like, oh, I'm almost incapacitated. What the beans? Okay, focus, focus. Talk about the upcoming events. And so, and then another wave, just like, and by the way, I heard this like little giggle behind me. And the kids' choir was back there. And, uh, I didn't know she was doing it, but Alyssa talked to some of the other kids around her. She goes, hey, you want to see something funny? And they go, yeah. She goes, watch this. She goes, bless daddy, like that, and throws a blessing at me. And that was it. Oh, I go like that. And I'm like, well, that was sort of random. And so then I start trying to do the announcements again. And then Alyssa goes, bless daddy, from behind me. And I'm like, oh, and I didn't. But I knew something was happening. I turn around, and I look at her, and all the kids are like, <laughs> just laughing whoa, that I would manifest because somebody was trying to bless me. How? No, I'm not going to do it. I was so tempted just then. Okay, all of you, extend your hands. Don't, don't do it because I want to finish the sermon. So, I re- whoa, Cheryl, don't do that. That thing's loaded. I'm not looking at you guys anymore. Look down, look down. How? So, anyway, um, I'm a manifester. I'm a happy manifester. Oh, but Robert Levada. He was the most extreme manifester I've ever seen. This guy was so nuts. When I first met him, I remember he walked up to me, introduced him, goes, Hi, I'm Robert. <laughs> I mean, the first time you meet somebody, right? This guy was uninhibited. He was a close talker. He was affectionate. I mean, a lot of the things you associate with being drunk, only he was drunk in the spirit. And it really kind of got me. It's like, what is up with this dude? And, uh, and I went back that night to the hotel and I remember talking to the Lord. It's like, Lord, you know, my dignity, my respectability hasn't done that much really for me. And so, Lord, if me being a fool for you will do anything for the kingdom, I, I want to sign up. And so I went back the next day and I grabbed Robert and I told him what I prayed. And I said, Robert, would you pray for me? So he did. He just prayed that I wouldn't have, you know, all the self-awareness, you know, the ego stuff that could get in the way of me just enjoying God's presence. And then later that day, I believe, we were, um, I, I speed this up a little bit, oh, when you are a manifester and somebody really prays for you and you sense it, 
a lot of times you'd go out. You'd just go, you're down, you know, on the floor. And what's really funny to me, by the way, I mean, I love the word kabod. It means glory. And again, uh, there are four words in English that contain, I think, a fuller understanding of what glory means in Hebrew. Heavy, dense, glorious, splendor. Anyone ever been in God's presence where you just feel the weight of it just pushing you down? And you can fight it, but you can also yield to it. And, the, and, the, and, and there, it manifests in different ways, but what I have noticed, sometimes the presence of God seems to be hovering, kind of like at knee level. So you know, you're sitting there and you're sensing God's presence, and then what happens? Uh-oh, I'm going down. And then you go deeper into the presence. You're, now you're like, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. You know, you know, it's a life alert. You know what I mean? Wow. So I was on the floor. Robert was on the floor. There were 18 other people or so on the floor. We're just in laughing, enjoying God's presence and just soaking, soaking in his love. And then Robert came crawling over to me and all of a sudden he got this really kind of serious look on his face, which was very different for a manifester. So it did get my attention. And he goes, Charlie, do you mind if I do something for you that I feel the Lord's put on my heart? And I said, uh, sure. Go ahead, Robert. What do I care? So he crawls on over, and I'm laying flat on my back, and this guy gets his head and puts it right here over my heart, and then he goes, <gasps> and then he does another lungful. He did four lungfuls of air, breathing on my chest. I literally felt the heat of his breath, the moisture from his breath building up. I've got these pastors walking all around me, and this guy is doing this thing on my chest. And by the way, I didn't care. I wasn't self-conscious about it. That is a weird thing. And so, when he's all done, Robert gets up and he looks at me and goes, Charlie, I believe that was a heart kiss from the Father. What do you think about that? And I thought for just a moment and I said, you know, Robert, I think I'll take it. And he's like, yeah, that's exactly right. That's what you do. You just take it. When God wants to give you a heart kiss, when he wants to give you that message of I love you, son, I love you, daughter, I love you, Robert, I love you, Marcy, you just like, okay, God, I'll take it. And you're just forming a simple agreement between heaven and earth. And for me, I've had people tell me not to tell that story because it's so weird, but I believe in the natural, me having that encounter with Robert, set it up for God to be able to do that in the spirit. Because later that day or the next day, uh, it was the last day of the conference, it was our, the last worship time, and, uh, huh, and I remember talking to the Lord and just saying, you know, Father, I, I, I came here and I've enjoyed the worship, I've enjoyed the teaching, I've enjoyed the people that I've met, but really, I came this, all this way because I want you. We don't go to conferences just to meet people or get more tools. We want more of him. We want to learn who he is. We want to encounter him and be changed by his presence. And so I just said it that simple. I just want you. And I will never... That was interesting. Yeah. Man, I've told this story several times and still, all these years later, I just said I want you and then the Lord just said, I love you, son. And he had never called me son before. And it just went somewhere. It had never gone before. And I just broke. I just started weeping. I actually fell on the ground and I laid there. And 
there were some people around that knew what was going on, and they just sort of blessed what God was doing, and, you know, let me just bask in that, I love you, Dad, and I love you, Son, and I love you, Dad, and I love you, Son. And when you've experienced that, how can you be a loving person and not want that for others? That's what I want for everyone this morning, everyone listening. I want the Lord to be able to do the same thing for you. And we do have the ability to impart the things God has done in us, made real for us. When we have a unity of belief and agreement with even an experience like that, if you can live it, you can give it. And so even right now, I just want you to close your eyes I want you to open your heart. I want you to just wait on the Lord confident that He loves you more profoundly than you can possibly know. And Father, I thank you so much for that day when you said, I love you, son. Things were really never the same again. And because of your goodness, because of the perfection and sweetness of your love. I ask for each person listening right now, whether it's today or tomorrow or however you want to do it, that they will have a divine encounter with you. And Jesus, you set the example. The Father said over you, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, and these are your sons and daughters today, God. Help us no longer walk in insecurity, unworthiness, doubt, comparison, break all of that garbage of rejection and abandonment off of all of us. We are accepted and named among the beloved because our brother led the example of knowing his identity and Lord, through our faith in him, it's become our identity as well. So I just release in Jesus' name the Holy Spirit to come now and do a profound work of going that 18-inch journey. Go deeper than any of us have ever known. We know you love us, but God, we need to believe that you love us and let your love empower us to walk in your love and grace and extend that toward others. So Father, we just delight in you today. Oh, (laughs) I thank you for a community of empowered sons and daughters who are becoming mothers and fathers to others as you lead us from victory and from glory to glory as we continue to just bask in your love and let your presence come and change our hearts. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Bless you all. Happy Father's Day again.